All right, Luke chapter 1. And uh, we're going to get part two of uh, what we started last week in talking about the announcement to Mary. Luke chapter 1, and we'll begin in verse 39 today. But uh, last week we saw the angel's appearance to Mary. Saw Mary's first reaction. It was a greeting of grace, the promise of a son, the name of the son, the inheritance of the son. Her second reaction, the importance of the virgin birth. We talked about this very, very important doctrine. It's, it's a very important doctrine because uh, without it, we really don't have uh, a Savior who was qualified uh, to sacrifice his life for us. No man could do that. It only had to be a, uh, a perfect son of God coming down to be a man and uh, being uh, our sacrifice. Folks, doctrine matters. Doctrine matters. Don't forget that. Some people say, well, it doesn't matter what you believe, just as long as you believe something. Or doesn't matter what you believe, as long as we can just get along and love one another. No, doctrine matters. And this is a very important doctrine. The importance of the virgin birth, the fact of it, we looked at the, the Hebrew word, uh, how it's, it's perverted in many new translations, most new translations of the Bible in uh, the Old Testament. And we looked at the purpose of the virgin birth. And then we looked at Mary's third reaction. And today we come to Mary visits Elizabeth, uh, beginning in verse 39 through 41. In verse 39 it says, Mary arose in those days and went to the hill country and with haste into a city of Judah and entered into the house of Zacharias and saluted Elizabeth. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary and the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost, and she spake out with a loud voice, Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. In, uh, when Mary leaves Nazareth, she goes to visit Elizabeth. Now, someone might ask, why did she do that? Well, undoubtedly, it was to see for herself the sign of Elizabeth's pregnancy and to share her own good fortune with her relative. After all, no one would be able to identify with her situation as much as Elizabeth could. We notice, though, in verse 41, it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb. Elizabeth was at least in her sixth month. Now, uh, by this time, it would have been normal to have a baby moving uh, within the womb, but Elizabeth is going to interpret this movement as something quite out of the ordinary. In verse 41, it says, And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. The filling of the Holy Spirit is a familiar concept within the Scripture. It's rooted in the Old Testament in a number of passages. You'll find it in Exodus, Numbers, Judges, 1 Samuel. The filling of the Holy Spirit is described as a special and uncommon occurrence. It was only on special occasions that a believer was described as being filled with the Holy Spirit. And at that point, the filling of the Holy Spirit was 
kind of a temporary phenomenon. That means, uh, that seems to be evidence in David's request in the Psalms. Psalm 51 verse 11 says, Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Apparently the Holy Spirit would come upon a believer to perform a particular task and then leave him. Now we are commanded to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And there's a, di a difference uh, between the filling and the indwelling. After, in the New Testament, when a person is saved, they are indwelt by the Holy Spirit, but we're still commanded to be filled by the Holy Spirit. In Ephesians 5.18, And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. In other words, be controlled. That's a command. It's in the present tense. It's, it's something that uh, uh, has continuing action in the present time, but we're to be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. Again, there is that difference between the filling and the indwelling. Uh, the indwelling comes at the moment we're saved, and, and it continues on. But the filling of the Holy Spirit is a temporary thing, and, and Paul says, be filled or continue to be filled. The idea is that we can, that there are times when we don't allow the Holy Spirit to control our lives. We uh, uh, need to allow the Holy Spirit to control us at all times, and there are times when we do not let the Holy Spirit control us, and so we're commanded to be filled. Now, this was a special moment in Elizabeth's life. The Spirit of the Lord comes upon her in order to perform a particular task, and that task was to, in a, in a sense, compose a song. In a first study, we mentioned there are a number of songs in the Gospel of Luke, Luke, there's Mary's song, Zachariah's song, the song of the angels, uh, Simeon's song, and we'll look at them along the way. But here we find another song, and that's Elizabeth's song. It begins in verse 42 through uh, verse 45. And she breaks forth in praise to the Lord. Uh, kind of in the way of Hebrew poetry, this praise contains really uh, a threefold parallelism. Uh, the, she says in verse 42, Blessed art thou among women. And then she says, Also blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And then blessed is she that believed in verse 45. So you know, notice several truths that Elizabeth sets forth in her song. First of all, blessed art thou among women. Verse 42. The word blessed means to speak well of or to bless. It's a different word from the word translated blessed in the Beatitudes. Um, in Matthew chapter 5, you can find it also in Luke 6. The word blessed there in the Beatitudes means happy and brings out the attitude of an individual who's being described. Uh, this word here, blessed, blessed, does not depend upon the attitude of the individual. The individual has nothing to do with it. It's kind of a, it's a grace-orientated uh, word. I think there's a, maybe a principle here. Mary is not blessed because of anything special she's done, but she is blessed because God has done something for her. And we're blessed because God has done something for us, but then we're also to be Blessed, we'd be happy in how we live our lives, and that's where we get 
what Jesus was telling us in the, the Sermon on the Mount. And that word is a little bit different. Secondly, the mother in verse 43, it says, And whence is this to me? The mother of my Lord shall come to me. The mother of my Lord. You see, Elizabeth looks at Mary and she sees more than just a young girl. She sees one who is going to give birth to the Messiah, the one who is her Lord. Again, this is reminiscent of David when he spoke of one who was his Lord in Psalm 110 and verse 1. The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou at my right hand until I make mine enemies thy footstool. Elizabeth seemed to realize that the one to whom Mary would give birth is the same one that David spoke about. And then in verse 44, For lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Now, does this mean that the child within Elizabeth's womb had knowledge of the fact that mother was the Messiah of, uh, in, in, in it was in his presence? Well, I don't want to read too much into this passage, but it appears to be the case. And then verse 45, And blessed is she that believed, and there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. Blessed is she that believed. Now this is very important here. The time, this time the word blessed does mean happy. Earlier we said it, 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 it had a different, uh, slightly different meaning. It was not because of something she did, but what God had done. Here it's something that she uh, uh, is to be. She's to be blessed. She's to be happy. This time it does refer to her attitude. And she is blessed because of something that she has done. What is it that she's done? She's believed. I want you to notice the progression here. It kind of summing up with this equation. Grace plus faith equals inner happiness. For by grace are we saved through faith and that not of yourselves. All right? Faith is the key that unlocks the gift of God on our behalf. And so uh, she's blessed, she's happy because of the grace of God in her life, plus she believes, and it comes up with her happiness, her blessedness. That's Elizabeth's song. Now we go on to Mary's song. See this in uh, a, a little lengthier uh, portion here from verse, verse 46. Actually, it should be 46 there, not 42. But 46 through 56, we'll go with this way. 26 through 56. The theme of Mary's song is the greatness of God. It's essentially a song of praise and glorification of God. Now, it's very interesting to notice the similarities between Mary's song and remember the song of Hannah back in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. Now, I didn't put this on your notes, and I don't think you really need it in your notes because it's in your Bible, okay? So I would encourage you to take some time and go to 2 Samuel Chapter 2, verse 1 through 10. Okay, that's the reference. 2 Samuel, 1 Samuel, sorry. 1 Samuel, 
chapter 2, verses 1 through 10, okay? And there you'll find the song of Hannah. And then here in Luke, you'll find Mary's song. So here's kind of that comparison. Uh, Hannah said, my heart rejoiceth in the Lord. Mary said, my soul doth magnify the Lord. Uh, Hannah said, there is none holy as the Lord, for there is none beside thee. Mary said, for he is mighty. He that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name. Uh, Hannah said, talk no more exceedingly proudly. Let not arrogancy come out of your mouth, for the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. Mary said, he hath showed strength with his arms. He has scattered the proud in their imagination of their hearts. You can see the comparison there. It's very, very similar. Uh, the bows of, uh, the, of the mighty men are broken, and they are stumbled at the gird, uh, are girded with strength. That's Hannah. And then Mary says, he hath put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. Uh, Hannah said, The Lord maketh poor, maketh rich. He bringeth low and lifteth up. Mary said, He hath filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he hath sent empty away. Hannah said, He shall give strength unto his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. Mary said, He hath opened his servant in Israel in the remembrance of his mercy. So there you have that comparison of those two uh, songs. Now, the one thing that's absent from both songs, I don't know if you would ever catch this. Uh, I initially did not catch it, but I uh, read about, uh, about this, and I, I said, yeah, that's, there's something missing in both of these songs. You know what it is? It's the promised child. Hannah was, wanted a child. Mary was promised a child, but in their songs, you don't have anything about the promised child. Hannah speaks of the fact that the Lord opens and closes wombs, but she makes no mention of her own situation in her song. And also Mary speaks of how her hope is in the Lord, but her song contains nothing about the son that is promised to her. Now at the same time, there are several quotations from the Psalms found within this song, and the quotations are, uh, are also from other Old Testament scriptures. But... Uh, we won't take time to, to look at all those. This is not surprising because we realize that Mary was probably taught the scriptures from the time that she was a little child. It's so important to teach our children the word of God. Now, Mary's song could be outlined in four points. In verses 46 through 49, we say God is exalted because of what he has done for Mary. I think you have a blank there for the word exalted. It's not that way there, but uh, uh, God's mercy is seen in that he was, had picked out one of the humble uh, origins to work through. Mary was, was not someone who was proud or who was... Uh, was thought a great deal uh, about what she had been promised. She didn't become proud. She was very humble. Another uh, a major point in this song is that God's mercy is seen to be directed to all generations. 
In these first four verses of the psalm, we see God's mercy only in relationship to Mary. But now, in verse 50, and his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. And so, uh, here's a wider framework. It's directed to the world, not just to Mary. And then in verses 51 to 53, the mercy of God is seen attested to in history. Notice there, He hath showed strength with his arm. He hath scattered the proud in their imagination of their hearts. He hath put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them in of low degree. He hath filled the hungry with good things and the rich. He hath sent empty away. The further expansion of the previous point where it was to ge uh, generation to generation, but it's also here as a contrast because the mercy of the Lord and the judgment of the Lord. And there's verse 54 and 55, it says, He hath opened his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. He has spake to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. God's mercy is seen in the relationship to Israel. It's seen in the promises which God had given Israel in the way he had kept those promises. So with that basic outline in mind, we can examine some of the key phrases within this song. Let's see. First of all, my soul doth magnify the Lord, verse 46. Now this is the essence of worship. It is to lift God and to recognize his greatness and his glory. It's not that we can make God any higher. We can't make him any more glorious than he already is, but our worship never adds anything to God. What it does is to recognize the greatness of God. And that's what we do when we worship God. We recognize it. We don't make him greater. He can't get any greater than he already is. And then, said, and then she said, My spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. She does not try to set herself up as someone who doesn't need a Savior. She has a need of salvation just as every member of the human race has a need for salvation. And what made Mary special? Was it anything on her part? No. It was something outside of her. It was the grace of God, as we've already mentioned. There was nothing about Mary that set her apart from the rest of the human race. But God is going to set her apart with a special purpose. And then secondly, all generations shall call me blessed. Now the word blessed here again is to be translated happy. As we've said, it's the same word used in the Beatitudes. It describes an inner peace and happiness. This is a prophecy that has come true. Everywhere the story of Christ has been preached, uh, many times it includes the story of Mary. It doesn't mean we worship her. It doesn't mean we pray to her. But it does mean that we're uh, are to consider her as to be greatly blessed by the Lord and given a high and holy privilege. In verse 49, we have the phrase, holy is his name. The word holy is quite different from our modern definition of the idea of holiness. Here we have uh, described something that has been set apart for a special use. Now, in the temple, there were certain utensils that were reserved for a special use. Uh, it was not that they were all different than other utensils. It was just that they were dedicated for
for this special use. And God's name is like that. It's set apart from all the other names to describe the one who is the creator of all things. And then there's in verse 51, he hath shown strength with his arm. There's a phrase that introduces a contrast between the humble and the hungry, the rich and the powerful. As we read there in verses 52 uh, through 54, he has done mighty deeds, blessings. He has exalted those who are humble. He has scattered the proud and brought down rulers. He has filled the hungry and he has sent away the rich empty-handed. I think it should be pointed out that in each of these verbs, it's used to describe a point in time. Mary is looking back to points in her history or in the history of her, her nation where God has been seen to work in a mighty way. Mary points out that God who works so greatly in history is the same God who we worship today. He hasn't changed. He's still at work in history, and he still brings his will to pass, even today. His promises are ever true. They can be believed. And so, as we conclude this afternoon, I believe we could say we're indebted to Mary, not to the extent that we fall down before her and worship her. There's no call for that. We don't put a statue of Mary up and say, oh, Mary, Mary, you know, and... and uh, say all kinds of things to her. Some of you probably come out of that background. I'm, think, I'm thankful you're out. If that's your case. We don't fall before her or her statue. We don't worship her. We don't pray to her either. We're never instructed to pray to Mary. Not that we don't hold her higher than anyone else perhaps that lived, we do owe her a debt of gratitude for reminding us whether it's for personal grace, favors for others, or for those times when the Lord proves himself faithful in the lives of his, his children, we have a God who is worthy of faith and of love and of praise and of worship. And with that in mind, I ask you, do you have the same heart that indwelled Mary. Are you in a personal relationship with Almighty God today? Are you in a position in your walk with the Lord, or in that position in your walk with the Lord, is there a need for you to come to Him and meet Him on a personal basis? Well, is there a need for you to come to Him and make things right with Him? Is there a need for your heart to just bow before Him and worship Him today? And so whatever your need is, I hope you will let him have his way in your life. That's what Mary was doing. She was letting God have his way in her life. Are you willing to let him have his way in your life? Father in heaven, we thank you for the life of Mary. And again, we don't worship her, but we worship the God that she worshiped. We worship you and we thank you for your grace. Help us to, by faith, take hold of the promises that you've given to us. And we thank you for her example to us. Thank you for using her in a very special way. 
Lord, bless these few thoughts to our hearts this afternoon. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. There's another song that I wish we had in our hymn book, but we don't. So if you'll stand with me and sing His Way with Thee. Would you have or would you live for Jesus and be always pure and good? Would you walk with Him within the narrow road? Would you have Him bear your burden, carry all your load? Let Him have His way with Thee.